Hello and Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. I know it's the middle of January, but um, a little later than usual, but a belated Happy New Year to all of you. And welcome to the Excellency Fiddlesticks podcast. It's here. This is the music episode, the best songs of 2013. The episode I've promised, and that I'm sure you've been waiting for, uh, a little later than usual, and I'm, I'm glad it was. Because most of the time when people come out with a best of list, they tend to put it out mid-December uh, till, you know, through the end of December. And that classifies as, you know, getting it in. But I thought uh, a lot of the sources I use to listen to newer music, I had a little bit of a backlog. I hadn't gotten through them all yet. I said, let me just wait a little bit, try to catch up. And then uh, after I've caught up a little bit in 2014, we'll release the 2013 music episode. And I'm glad I did. I found a couple of uh, what I think are nice gems in that little period. <clears throat> but moving on, um, many of you, if you remember the last show, I put a request out there. I said, uh, let me know what you think is a guilty pleasure of yours musically. And I also put it to those of you who are friends of mine on Facebook. I put the same request out there. Got a lot of interesting responses, some very, and I even put myself out there first by saying uh, I actually threw out two different Wham! songs because in my in the podcast I put out uh, Careless Whisper and in the Facebook solicitation I put out Everything She Wants. Didn't even realize I did that, which makes me think I'm more of a closet Wham! fan than I thought. <clears throat> Excuse me. The responses I got back, to say the least, were very interesting. And it's it's more interesting when you know the source of where they came from. For instance, uh, a, a big, burly guy, he's a friend of mine, uh, his, his guilty pleasure was Stronger by Britney Spears. Now, you'd never put those two things together. Can't help it. You like it. Another person came back and said, despite the fact that she knew they were a fake band, she still liked Millie Vanilli. And I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, you don't really like Millie Vanilli. You like that bunch of German backup uh, musician session guys who put together that record. Who I'm surprised they didn't come out with their own record after that. Hey, we're the real Millie Vanilli. We're the guys you liked. What else did I get? I got um, another Wham mention. I got uh, a Spice Girls mention. This is from a guy, by the way. Uh, a lot of interesting things. The point of the whole exercise, um, and there was a larger point. I, I had seen... Uh, if you remember last year on one of my shows, I railed against the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, saying I thought it was kind of a joke and it was better served as a museum and not something that people have to vote to get into because of the controversy it creates, blah, blah, blah. I happened to catch the show from the last induction ceremony, which had Public Enemy, among a few others, and I happened to catch it on HBO um, one of the nights it aired. And I sort of had to dial back what I thought because... It was pretty awesome. Dave Grohl was on there. And now Dave Grohl is one of my favorite people in music uh, of all time. He's just, he just, he's so awesome. I mean, you just look at the guy and like, look at him. He's everything good about, about rock and roll. He loves what he's doing. And everybody seems to love him. It's rare you find a guy that everybody seems to like him. He can play, he did a Sound City documentary last year. He played with Rick Springfield. He'll play with Fleetwood Mac. He'll play with anybody. And it's fun. And he came out, and I saw two things with him. Uh, this, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show, he was inducting Rush. Now, I've never been a huge Rush fan, never bought anything by Rush. And then I, I, I realized, after he, he introduced them by saying, the first thing he said was, you know, when did Rush become fucking cool? That was exactly what he said. And I'm like, I don't know, but I, I sort of, you know, I, I started thinking about it, and they started listening to the to the songs they played during the induction, and then they went out and did a medley. And I'm like, I like that song. I like Tom Sawyer. I like Spirit of Radio. This is this is okay. Why was it why was it not okay to like this in 1981 or two, three or four, whatever? I don't know. 
we get so hung up in our little our little genres and our little silos of music that we, we don't appreciate, even though you know we like something because we like it. And he also, I heard him say at a, at a different time in another interview, because somebody had asked him, I believe, uh, what is your guilty pleasure musically? And he said the whole notion of a guilty pleasure is, is bullshit to me because you shouldn't have to feel guilty about liking something. And that's what this guilty pleasure exercise that I put out there was because, by the way, Dave, Dave Roll becoming the sort of ambassador of music is the most awesome thing in the world. Isn't it great? He's just such a perfect person to do that. He gets out there. Like I said, everybody loves the guy. He seems to be like the music ambassador right now. He's like the, the rock and roll ambassador to the world. And he really made me think about that. And I went out after that. I picked up some Rush songs. I put them on my iPod. I listen to them now. And I'm like, yeah, that, there's nothing wrong with that. And the, the songs that the, the people had mentioned uh, to me in the feedback about the, the Millie Vanillies and, and the Britney Spears and Spice Girls, whatever. Uh, interestingly, nobody said who let the dogs out, which I can understand because nobody liked that song. But the, the point is just hammered home to me that you should not feel guilty about liking something. Well, I mean, unless it's like you know, rape. You shouldn't feel you should if you if you like rape or torturing animals or something. Let's let's qualify that by saying you shouldn't feel guilty about liking art things, artistic things, be it music, film, whatever. Anyway, I've rambled on long enough. 2013 was uh, a pretty pretty great year, I thought, for music. Uh, I had a lot of good things I picked up. I started compiling things for this show. As soon as I would hear something good, I'd say, oh, file that one away. That's that's a candidate for uh, for best stuff, you know, definitely in, for 2013. A lot of big-name bands put out new releases this year. A lot of long-awaited um, releases by some, like, some pretty big names, some of which you will hear here. In addition, some new artists who I'd never heard of before, uh, they made this list. And even cooler is that sometime after last year's show, a few people pinged me and said, uh, you know, you should check out this guy. And I, your list is pretty interesting. How about you check this one out or check this out? So I was turned on to some new music by some, some friends of mine. And that made the list, too, because the person came out with something new this year. So sit tight and enjoy. It's going to be fun. Uh, first person, the first one to fall in that category is this one. Uh, this is by a kid named Jake Bug. You may have heard of him now. He's... Uh, I think at the time he was only 19. He's he's a British kid. Uh, he looks... He was sold... He was presented to me as the anti-Bieber, which I thought was pretty interesting because he, he, he sort of has a Justin bieber look to him. He's got, like, the swoopy hair. Uh, but that's pretty much where the similarities end. Jake Bug was... Looks like he was raised on, on Dylan and Beatles and Oasis records, you know. His influences are pretty clear when you hear what he what he sounds like. Uh, these songs, technically, this the song I chose was technically released in 2012 in Europe, but not released in America until 2013, so it made the list. He did come out with another record later this year, so he put out a lot of stuff in the U.S. in 2013. And his new song, I like it a lot, too. I, I had a hard time finding uh, a song. This, that's a good sign that I had a hard time finding a song to pick from Jake Bug. But I chose this one. You may have heard it before. It's Lightning Bolt. It's Jake Bug. <laughs> It's another pure gray morning Don't know what the day is holding And I get up right home And I walk right into the path of a lightning bolt The siren of an ambulance comes howling Right through the center of town And one blinks an eye And I look up to the sky for the path of a lightning bolt 
met her as the angels parted for her She only brought me torture That's what happens when it's you that's standing in the path of a lightning ball Everyone I see just walks the walk with gravity But I just stand by and I wait my time They say you gotta toe the line They want the water, not the wine But when I see the signs I'll jump on that line Chances. People tell you not to take chances And they'll tell you that there aren't any answers And I'm starting to agree But I woke suddenly in the path of a lightning ball Fortune, people talking all about fortune Do you make it or does it just call you In the blinking of an eye Just another passerby in the path of a lightning ball Kid's got a lot of talent And if you've heard his, his newer album um, He's already sort of diversifying his sound a little bit, which you remember last year, I was kind of throwing up a red flag on Mumford & Sons, saying uh, your first album was good, your second album was good also, but it sort of sounded like a continuation of the first one, so what happens for the third one? Uh, it looks like Jake Bug, or sounds like Jake Bug, is already certain to address that, and he's only 20 years old, so this could be, uh, he could be a long, a long, long career for this kid, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, similarly, <clears throat> I mentioned a lot of big new bands come out with albums in, in uh, the past year. One of my favorite bands, which did not come out with a new record, is the Black Keys. Now, uh, if you like, you like the Black Keys, you like their sound, and the, the, you know their last album, El Camino, I believe, was 2011. So it's been a while for them. But when I heard this song by another person, another artist I'd never heard about, uh, it's an artist, a Nigerian fellow by the name of Bombino. Did I just use the word fella in a sentence? What am I? What is it? 1947? Jesus Christ! Anyway, uh, this Bombino track is produced by Dan Auerbach, who is, of course, you know, the lead singer for the Black Keys, lead guitarist. And it's apparent pretty quickly, uh, at least when I first heard it, I'm like, well, yeah, this kind of sounds like, that sounds like the same guitar sound the Black Keys use. It almost sounds like, you know, Auerbach is playing on this track. But I go back and realize, if you listen to other songs by Bombino, um, he's been doing this this sort of fuzzy guitar sound for a while as well. So, uh, great story behind this guy. If you get a chance, read up on him, because he's he's... You talk about hardship. I mean, this guy had to like flee his country as as a child uh, under you know warlords or all over the place. It was pretty pretty messed up country this guy had, and he picked up a guitar and learned how to play. Pretty much, you know, taught himself how to play as a young boy. He's a really good guitar player, and I, I don't really get into a lot of the world music stuff, but this this guy can really play guitar. And this was, I think, what should be his big breakthrough album in the U.S. Uh, maybe having the Black Keys uh, influence and Black Keys person working on it would help out, but uh, it's Bombino, and the song is uh, Amidinin. I can't even pronounce the name of the song. And another thing about the song, I don't think I understand one word of lyrics in the song. He's singing about something. I think he's singing in a foreign language. I don't care. The, just, the groove is what gets you, so dig it.
just love that, that guitar sound. Just love, love that sound. That, that gets me every time. Uh, a lot of weird uh, combinations of you know artists came together in the past year. For instance, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong and Nora Jones. Who would have saw that coming? That was a bizarre combination, which turned out to be pretty cool. Uh, he got together with her and sang. They actually did a song-by-song recreation of an old Everly Brothers album, uh, which, you know, if you put those combinations together, it doesn't make any sense, but it's all about the harmonies. And to hear someone like Billy Joe Armstrong do something completely the opposite of Green Day was pretty cool. But another combination which was forged during the year, which I kind of looked at on paper and I'm like, really? Is this, this, this going to work? It was uh, Elvis Costello and The Roots. Now, I'm a big fan of Elvis Costello, but he's got such a huge body of work. It's, it's almost impossible to be a fan of everything he's done. Obviously, his early stuff is, is iconic, and everybody is... That's the most popular stuff up through Armed Forces, Get Happy, the first two records, Trust, whatever. He's done a lot of different directions. He's worked with Burt Bacharach. He's worked with so many different people. But when I heard he was working with The Roots, I got a, got a little you know, hair on my back of my neck stood up a little bit. I'm like, uh... Uh, he's a lot of things. I don't think he's he's funky, and I really hope to God he's, he he would be smart enough not to try like you know throwing down some hip hop over some of his tracks. Fortunately for everybody concerned, it uh, turned out to be a really really interesting collaboration, and it, it sounds really cool. The Roots are just a phenomenal backing band. They just have such great uh, the way they just mix in the funk and soul influences. And if you listen to a lot of Elvis's stuff. He was heavily influenced by a lot of stuff as well. So the songs they put together, this record didn't get the critical uh, welcome I thought it was going to get. But um, I chose the title track for this. It's called Wise Up Ghost. And the read is not the single. Walk Us Uptown was the first single they put out. And I, I, I was trying to, I didn't know the name of the album. It slipped my mind because I'm, I'm old now. And I went on Groove Shark one day and I said, like, well, I know that the album's called Wise Up Ghost. So I just put that in and played it. And for whatever reason, it's probably not even going to be one of the more popular tracks on the album. I would imagine Walk Us Uptown is going to be the... If this record gets any traction from, from a singles perspective, it's probably going to be that. But this is the one I like the most. And it really... Uh, I don't know, it's, just, it's kind of like the first time you hear something of, of the first time you, you experience a record. The first taste you get of it is the one that sticks with you. And that's the case with this. It's Wise Up Ghost, Elvis Costello Rules from the album of the same name. Last lines walked for the tent I stood out in the glorious rain Knowing full well I can't go home again Wise of ghost Wise of When you're gonna rise up Wise of ghost some size of wise of ghost go on your merry way now if you must fool's gold turns rivers into rust till you don't know who to trust wise of ghost wise of when you're gonna rise up, wise up ghost Feel some size up, 
but you Lost so many souls, you don't know what to do So say your prayers, cause down the stairs it's 1932 Why as a ghost She revolves around the sparkling pole Stares into the mirror wall Sees another woman walking through a margin stall Wise of ghosts Wise of When you gonna rise up Wise of ghosts some You know, going back to Guilty Pleasures, I think um, there's a few things this past year which I had that initial, should I like this? You know, is this something I should be liking? Which, again, you, you, have, trying to, you have to fight that impulse. You have to push it down. Um, two songs in a row that both struck that bill for me. I'd heard them both already on the radio, on, like, mainstream pop radio. I heard both of these songs. And thought, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, didn't really think a lot about it. And then you hear it again, you're like, yeah, that's kind of catchy, kind of boppy, whatever. And it was probably the case that each of these songs, there was a, a YouTube video which sort of went viral to each one, which totally cemented it for me. Uh, the two songs, obviously, the first one is, is, is Daft Punk, Get Lucky, which just a great, great danceable song. And, and these guys did it up right. I mean, so little is known about Daft Punk. You just know it's these two dudes in, like, you know, big motorcycle helmets. You never see their faces. It's kind of creepy and weird, but kind of cool. Before this, the only thing I'd really heard by them that I paid any attention to was when they did uh, Stronger with Kanye West. But this this song, uh, great danceable track, and if you're going to do a funky dance track and you're going to put a guitar in there, you could do a lot worse than getting Nile Rodgers on there, which is exactly what they did. Nile Rodgers plays guitar in the song, which automatically elevates it to a legendary status. But I think the thing that really pushed it over the edge for me was when I guess they were scheduled to appear on on Colbert at some point during the summer to promote it. MTV stepped in, pulled him off the show, whatever, for the last minute. So Colbert put out this amazing video of him dancing to the song and wandering around and all these celebrity cameos in it. It's just real funny, real funny, great video. Went viral. And that sort of cemented my like for the song, which I, I still liked it anyway, but that sort of validated it, which is still kind of stupid. But it's Daft Punk, and it's Get Lucky, and it's one of the best. Like the legend of the phoenix, all ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet spinning? Ah, uh, the force from the beginning. Lucky, we're up all night to the sun. 
present has no ribbon Your gift keeps on giving What is this I'm feeling? If you wanna leave, I'm with it The other one that falls into that category uh, is this song. Now, Robin Thicke is not somebody I've ever paid a lot of attention to. True confession time. But this is another song that when you first heard it a couple times, it was sort of background noise, and I'm like, that's the kind of a funky song. Who's that? You know, and you know, it doesn't sound like Robin Thicke because you have you know Pharrell Williams is on and doing some uh, doing some stuff there. So you don't really know who it is. I didn't really know at first who it was. I didn't have a history with Robin Thicke. Didn't know a whole lot about him other than he was Alan's kid. Whatever that means to anybody. But this song uh, gets in your head. And then I happened to see a video of this, the Jimmy Fallon and the Roots, the Roots were involved again, where they collaborated with, with Robin Thicke doing this song on, on kid toy instruments, which I, they do this, I guess, with other things as well. And it was so infectious, and it was so cool, and it was so much fun. And the song is a lot of fun. And it's before all the stupid, twerky controversy with Miley Cyrus, before all that crap went down in the fall, this was probably the most played song of the summer, and that tends to burn things out. Um, if, if you listen to, to any pop radio station on a regular basis, this song, you'd be, you were carpet bombed by this song, and you're probably sick to death of it. Fortunately, I didn't have to do that, so I didn't hear it that many times, so I'm still kind of, it's still kind of fresh and still kind of cool to me. Uh, this would fall under the, under the moniker of guilty pleasure, because I, it's not something that I would normally like, but I just, I just do. And uh, I think a lot of other people agree with me. So it's Blurred Lines, Robin Thicke. Non, the non-twerking version. Thank you. had a weird relationship with that group. Their first album, obviously, is one that everybody probably already has and knows by heart. Um, the, the next couple albums, you know, were very big. They, they never made a lot of videos. They never did a lot of uh, huge publicity. They just went out and toured and worked their asses off and continued to make great, great rock and roll music to this day. And this new album this year um, turned out to be sort of a throwback in a way where it sort of sounded... Like, they went back to some more, like, punky-type roots. They all sort of alternated, like, the punky songs with with the 
I want to say ballads because they're not really ballads, but they're just you know slower, more introspective songs. Uh, the one I chose, I didn't choose Sirens, which I thought would have been the obvious choice. I chose Getaway, which to me sort of encapsulates what this band's all about. Or they can still hit it pretty hard and uh, make a really, really enjoyable record. So this is Getaway by Pearl Jam. younger, and the Rolling Stones have been out for 20 years, and we thought, what a bunch of old farts these guys are, I can't believe they're still doing it, and who would have thought 30 years later the Stones are still doing it, and I don't look at Pearl Jam as old farts at all, basically because they're kind of my age, so it's funny how your perspective sort of uh, gets twisted around. Uh, time for a new artist, somebody I'd never heard of before until this year, uh, his name's Michael Cronin, his album's called MC2, which is kind of not the best, is that the best title he could come up with, Michael? I think he could do better than that. Uh, his sound is pretty interesting in that it sort of sounds like a blend of... It could have easily passed for uh, classic rock. Could've, could've, you could easily could have heard this coming out as something in the, in the 70s. But it sort of sounds like it's been updated. I don't know if I'm describing it well. but it's, it's, So he would not be out of place in the 70s, but he also sounds like he's got a little bit of a modern edge to his sound. Maybe that's what the MC2 thing refers to, sort of a throwback to... A, remember when people used to name albums? They, there was no creativity at all. It was like, you're a band... The first, the first album was your band's name. The second album was your band's name with a number two after it. 
And if you're really pretentious or unimaginative, you went up to three and four. I mean, even Led Zeppelin did it. I mean, big-name bands would do this. they just put numbers after their... They, you couldn't just slap one of the tracks on there or come up with all, some other crazy title. Anyway, I digress. This is Michael Cohen. The song is See It My Way, and it's one of those songs that as soon as I heard it, I just immediately jotted it down and said, I got I to gotta hang on to this. I got to remember this song. I got to hear it again. And I'm glad I did because it's, I think, in my opinion, obviously, it's my list, my opinion. You make your list, probably be different, different than mine. I can get 100 people to make lists. We'll all have different lists. But anyway, this is uh, Michael Cronin. Uh, see it my way. I think he's someone, someone to watch uh, now and in the future. So enjoy. Front Bottoms, or an interesting sounding name. I'm not sure what a name even refers to. <clears throat> They're from New Jersey, a uh, young band. This is their second album called Talent of the Hawk. And this song is called Au Revoir. It's very short. It's about not even two minutes long. And I like it because it's snarky, but at the same time, it's 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 one thing to be a wise-ass in your song. And some, some bands can get away with it with sort of a snotty wise-ass sound. With other people, it wears thin pretty quickly. 
I think the reason this works, and this song is called uh, Au Revoir, the reason I think it works is because it's snotty and a little bit pretentious, but the person who's being snotty, in this case the lead singer, sort of gets his pretension and snotty snarkiness kind of thrown back in his face. Uh, It's a breakup song, but it's a breakup song where neither party seems really too concerned that it's over, and it's basically... uh, Well, listen to it, and I'll play the whole thing because it's very short. Uh... Play it. I, I enjoy this this song. It's called uh, the Front Bottoms. Au revoir. You know what I think's really sad. I know how really sad you are. I'm probably gonna leave real soon. Just wanted to let you know before I say au revoir. Au revoir. You probably don't even know what that means. album in 2013, a band I've been sort of following for the last few years is The National. Now, they are a bit of an acquired taste. Um, not for everybody. Uh, lead, lead vocalist Matt Berninger, which is, is, is a weird singing voice in that he sounds sort of drony. The band sounds kind of sad, though some of their songs have different themes that aren't always, always depressing, even though the music may sometimes feel that way. Um, but it's weird, because I've heard him in an interview, in his speaking voice, he seems almost happy and genuine and seems like a, like a really really nice kind of funny cool guy but when he sings it turns into a sort of a Leonard Leonard Cohen type vibe and a little droney but like I said it's an acquired taste but if you listen to these guys they're really talented and they're really good uh, this album Trouble Will Find Me the track I chose is called Graceless and it's The National Hey 
No, it's got to be really hard if you're a, a band that sort of is on the fringe of major popularity. And then you get recognized when you win the Grammy for Best Album, which I got to admit came out of nowhere. This happened to Arcade Fire. They come out with critically acclaimed records in 2004 and 2007. In 2010, they came out with The Suburbs, which I don't even think was their best record of the first three. Uh, it's, the fans, I think, are divided on this, but either one of their first two albums, to me, are, are the best. I mean, The Suburbs, I thought, was very good, don't get me wrong, but I just think if I had to rank the three of them, I probably would have made The Suburbs maybe even a, a close third. In any case, they won the Grammy for Best Album. So then what do you do? When do you follow it up? Now, they're on a sort of a three-year pattern between uh, records, and 2013 is when they were due for a new record, and they delivered a double album. And I think they did a smart thing here in that they changed producers. They started working with James Murphy, formerly of LCD Sound System, who definitely injected something into this band. Uh, I don't know if he put something in their coffee or what. But they were smart, I think, in that they, they changed up their sound a little bit. Now... Uh, one of the band members is from Haiti, and they can tell they incorporated sort of a a vibe from a world music-y kind of vibe to the thing. Having Murphy on board makes it more danceable and gives you instant credibility in that in that space. And you get the feeling that these guys may have listened to a lot of Talking Heads during the time off they had between records. And I'm talking Talking Heads circa like Fear of Music and Remain in Light era Talking Heads, where, which... To me, is a good thing. That's a great thing. That's a great era, a great band. Uh, the album's called Reflector. It's a double album, like I said, which I don't know what that even means these days. When you, when you download it, it just means you're downloading more time, more length of music. It's, it's It was received differently than their other albums. I think this one took a little getting used to. A lot of people, and myself included, first listen, you're kind of like, I don't know, because you're used to the Arcade Fire you've been listening to for the last nine years. And then this comes out, and you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, this is all different. But I think upon repeated listenings, you start to understand, you start to get into it more. And it's it's rare these days. This is the kind of album you need to take some time with. You need to actually sit down. I, I know, I, I don't know about you, but I know I do this. Music is always a background of something else, because we can't do anything singularly today. We always have to be kind of bouncing around. I'm, I'm listening to this while I'm cleaning the bathroom. I'm listening to this while I'm on the treadmill. I'm listening to this while I'm driving to work. Whatever it is. It, it, it sometimes is good to sit back, take time, just put put music on and listen to that just music directly. Because you did that when you were kids. I know I did uh, when you are growing up getting into bands. I chose the title track, uh, Reflector by Arcade Fire. It's very long. It's about seven minutes long. And you can definitely see the, the uh, dancing influence of the record. Uh, but it, it's a good one, and I think it's, uh, it's one you'll like too. So enjoy Arcade Fire.
by the way, I wasn't really playing this in any order of a ranking. I know it's sort of, it sort of seems like a countdown, but anyways, I haven't given any numbers out for any of these. Um, I don't think there's any order. You could talk to me in two different days and have two completely different orders if I was asked to rank these songs. So there's no real order here. Though I will say the one I save for the end is probably going to be the one that would be my favorite. But other than that, the other, um, there's 11 songs total here. The other 10 can be put in any order, and it wouldn't make a difference. Uh, so this is one. I This is a, a song by... Uh, the group's called Boy. And irony alert, it's two girls. So, haha, they got you there. It's one of those songs that I can't... It's, there's, it, it happens every year where you, you hear things. You just, I don't, just don't understand how or why this song is not a hit. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. This song has everything that I would think is an ingredient to make a hit single out of. It's catchy. The girls uh, have great, beautiful singing voices. There's a, a nice. It's it's not offensive at all. They don't. They don't. Not that that matters anymore. They don't like. They don't curse. It's bouncy. It's just. It sounds good. I there's there's nothing not to like about this song, which is why it's on my list. I loved it. Uh, I just could not understand for the life of me. I guess it's just a matter of getting your foot in the door and getting played in certain areas or whatever. I just don't understand why this wasn't a hit. And I'm gonna do my best, damn it, to make this a hit. The song's called Little Numbers. The group's called Boy. Uh, like I said. I thought it was one of the best songs I heard all year. Uh, your mileage may vary, but give a listen and let me know. Boy.
Okay, one more to go. And like I said before, I wasn't really ranking these, but I would think that this last song is probably my favorite song of 2013. Again, it's by a band I had not previously known, a band called Surfer Blood, which when you think of that, I'm like, that sounds like a punk band. Not really. Um, Surfer, Surfer Blood, to me, at least what I've heard so far of them, sounds to me like if, if Weezer and Fountains of Wayne had a baby, and that baby grew up to play music, it would sound like Surfer Blood. Um, really interesting song. In this, this record, I, you could hear influences of like um, maybe some ELO, um, even... Yeah, it's weird. You could hear a lot of different things in this in this band. This song, the song I chose, Demon Dance, was the first single off their album, the album called Pythons, which came out, I believe, in April or June. Uh, nothing not to love about this record. Um, it, it's got a nice... The vibe to it is good. You can tell it, 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 it it's very sort of breezy in a way. And then it gets to the other part, and then it, it gets to the chorus toward the end. And there's a lot of anger underneath it, which to me is that's what I like about a good song. That it's got a little of everything. And even though there's this sort of nice, easy melody bursting on the surface, underneath you can tell there's a lot of anger, which I'm kind of into anyway. Um, great record, great great band. Hopefully, we'll see more from these guys coming up. This I think was a big, probably one of their bigger albums that they've ever put out. Um, it was smart. They went with a new producer. They went with Gil Norton, a guy who'd worked with um, Foo Fighters and the Pixies and things like that. So I think this is where a case where a producer helps bring an artist out and bring them to a point where they can maybe realize their their best potential. Uh, you've got some, like I said, sort of a 60s pop influence in here, but there's a little more bubbling under the surface, and I kind of like that, that sort of dichotomy. Uh, Demon Dance by Surfer Blood, which, believe it or not, is my song of the year for 2013.
And that's it. That's the list for 2013. Happy 2014. That's the show. And hey, by the way, every one of these songs you just heard, you can get them all at Amazon.com. Certainly can. Amazon.com MP3 store has every single one of these. And how do you get them? You go right to Amazon, right? No, that's not what you do. We talked about this, remember? You go to my site first, jtbishop.blogspot.com. You go there. When you're there, you'll see to you the right-hand side of the page a little Amazon banner. You click that bad boy, you go right to Amazon, and it's as if nothing happened. You just go there and do your shopping. You buy all these MP3s. You buy all the music you want. You buy this. Buy anything else you want. Buy all the music you can think of. Buy music that you want to play for me and tell me I'm an asshole for not putting on my list. But do it. And what happens? We get some love. The show gets love. You don't, you don't feel a thing. You'll never even know what happened, baby. It's like, it's like nothing. It's like my, you're roofing yourself to take to go to Amazon, and you're just going through there. You click through. You buy your stuff. The show gets some love, and I appreciate it very much, obviously. And I love doing this. And like I said, last year's show was the best show we ever did as far as popularity goes. Not that there's any hardcore numbers, but if you look at iTunes, they have a popularity ranking and everything, and um, the music show last year was way up there. Hoping to do better with this one. So let's see. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you want to get back to the show, you want to tell me my list is great. Tell me my my show, my list was a piece of crap. You can do that. You can Twitter the show. It's at, at Bish24. That's how you reach me on Twitter. You could email the show directly. Bish24. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll get it right. It's xfiddle, E-X-F-I-D-D-L-E, at gmail.com. So uh, enjoy the list. And like I said, I set a goal for this year. Everybody has a New Year's resolution. Stop smoking. Go to the gym. Bullshit. My goal for this year is to do 25 shows. That would be an average of about one every two weeks, which if you've been following the show at all, you know that's a number I've never even come close to reaching. So I'm going to try to get um, more shows this year, more stuff, more involvement, maybe get a real website together. Who knows? This could be the biggest thing ever. Who knows where it's going to go? I certainly don't know, but I'm excited, and I want you to come along for the ride. So enjoy the show. Go to Amazon. I'll talk to you later. Adios.